Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. This is a podcast where we bring successful tech sales professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs to share best practices, insights, and lessons learned with other tech sales professionals. As a sales professional, the more we learn, the more we earn. Once we earn it, how can we put those hard-earned commission dollars back to work to build additional income streams that will create the freedom we are all working to achieve? I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. All right, welcome back to the High Tech Freedom Sales Podcast. I'm really excited to bring on my guest today who has a uh, just a really incredible background in sales, inside sales, and, and now running her own business. So Dion, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Sales Podcast. How are you doing today? I am well. Thank you so much for having me. So why don't we start with a little bit of a background on you? How did you get uh, started in sales and, and doing what you're doing today? Yeah, gosh, you know, it was so funny. I graduated college and didn't want to be in sales. And my dad laughed at me and still laughs at me 25 years later. Um, so I've always loved technology and I love people. And I know that sounds really, really fluffy in the world of sales where it's really hard and fast and make your number. Uh, for me, it's always been lead with relationships and the results follow. So 25 years in the making of of going down that path. Yeah, well, it's a great path. I just, I mean, <laughs> I can't think of a better profession. It's worked for me. And, you know, you know, I, when my kids ask me, hey, mom, dad, you know, what should I do? I'm like, well, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. There's a sales component in everything. So at a 100%. foundational level, still go learn sales. It's not going to yep. hurt you in any way. Absolutely not. Yep. Yep. So just for just so everybody can find you, full name is Dion Major. So tell us a little bit about your company, what you do today. Yeah, thanks. And so I started Inside Sales by design, you know, 14 years ago when Inside Sales was somewhat new, but not really is the best kept secret in the, on the planet. Um, and what we do is we work with organizations to create their sales infrastructure um, and or refocus their sales infrastructure. So we do a lot of blueprint creation, framework creation, job descriptions, onboarding, re-onboarding, interview loops. Um, and, and one of the things that we really have started pressing into lately is, is working with folks on day in the life and driving adoption of all the tech that companies are buying. And so, um, and what we're seeing is a lot of the work we're doing is cascading out into the organization, right? So for better or worse, the last, you know, four years or so, everybody's inside sales or digital sales. And so a lot of what we do is work with organizations to drive, I call it the great translation of why do we have this technology? And if I'm a seller, I'm going to work for my spreadsheet because it works for me. And if the tech doesn't support my effort to make my number, I'm not going to do it. And so we really have started working with organizations in the last year, a couple of years, pressing into driving adoption and creating adoption programs for organizations to, to really get their investment, uh, realize the investment they've made in a lot of these technologies. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. That's really interesting because I'm curious. So with the companies that you've worked for, the amount of tech that's been deployed, what percentage of it would you say is there to more monitor and track versus what percentage is there to actually enable and make the salesperson better at what they do, how they do it? Oh, man, I do not have a hard and fast number based on research. I'm going to say it's very lopsided. It's probably like a 90-10. Which way? 
um, as far as it being more oversight driven than okay. specifically designed for the teams, right? And I say that simply because sitting down and tailoring Salesforce, any CRM, outreach, sales loft, gone, whatever the case may be, requires a slowdown that most salespeople don't have. And then number one, number two, you've got organizations that may or may not have a defined L&D or sales enablement function, right? And so one of the things that we have done with organizations is, is eat the elephant one bite at a time, right? So if you're going to deploy something like Gong, um, we so when we come in, we don't say, hey, we're going to build a framework, right? We don't do the whole waterfall approach. It's definitely more of a, an agile sales infrastructure creation. And so we'll say, hey, create keywords that you want your sales team to say, right? Or who has the best, the best pitch or what's a really great sales call? We translate that. We transcribe that. We put those keywords in. We do a mini training on it. And we start tracking the usage of those words. Yeah. So thank you for bearing with me, Chris. As you can tell, I'm a, I'm a trainer by trade, and, and no, sure, I love it. and I'm a huge fan of of giving people snack size things that they can do, um, and, and things that they can take away. Well, so in that uh, you mentioned something, and we spoke about a week ago, and yeah. you mentioned something about you know when you're working on doing a program like that, some of the the most important steps that you have to take is is go talk to some really good sellers in the organization to kind of figure out, all right, well, they're doing something that's working for them. How do you pull some of those words, some of those best practices into the tool, the process, whatever? So you know, just over your career with the clients that you work with, you've you've been exposed to a lot of salespeople. Yeah. Um, what do you see that some of the top 10, 20% of sales reps do that really sets them apart from their peers? Yeah. And that's that's a great question. And and without a doubt, it's it's ownership, focus, and resourcefulness, right? Like they're the ones that jump in and figure it out, right? And so you you gotta love that not tunnel vision, but eye on the prize, right? And it's this very clear, this is where I'm going. If this doesn't help me, I'm going to do this. But if it does, I'm going to use these pieces, right? So um, one of the older movies, Armageddon, right? When they recruit Bruce Willis's team, who's, who's um, they you know create oil rigs, right? And then you see them compared to NASA on these Land Rovers, right? And they go into these vehicles and just start stripping out everything that isn't needed, that is what really great salespeople do, which makes the rest of us crazy because the rest of us on sales enablement training and leadership, we overthink everything. And salespeople are like, it's very clear. I need to go have a conversation. I need you to help me with that conversation. I need you to remove friction from that conversation. And if you don't do that, I don't need you because I'm going to go feed my family. Right. Right. So we need to understand the motivations behind why the behavior exists. Yeah. I got that. That's such a great, uh, a great example and, and great analogy. You know, I think back, I had a a, a number one, uh, he was number one, number two, a uh, couple different years, uh, one time on my team. And one of the things I always noticed was like, when we were doing maybe enablement around something, some product, if it didn't directly relate to how he was going to sell the products he was selling, where he was being successful, he's like, not going to do it. You know, he might show up to the call, he might be there, but you know, he, when it came down to execution, he was going to go do what he was going to do. And he, Probably the most extreme example of having blinders on that I've ever seen, but it really paid off for him. Yeah. I mean, so you see the same thing, right? And so I think one of the other things that we talked about was like that innovation, right? And so I'd love to hear your thoughts. And let's talk about like, what does it look like for salespeople to recognize the need to innovate? 
right? And change. Yeah. Well, you know, so I recently did an episode a couple, I don't know, a couple months ago about, um, well, I did a couple different episodes, one on extreme ownership. So you talked about reps needing to take ownership. Yeah. And I really believe that the most successful reps are ones that that look at it as a franchise and look at it as I own the business. I am the CEO of my region, my patch, my major account base, my inside territory, whatever it is. And it doesn't matter where you're at in your career. You can be a an inside salesperson and be the one taking the responsibility to orchestrate calls, bringing in maybe a field rep or your marketing person doing reviews in your territory. Not Absolutely. a lot of reps are doing that, but when you do that, you own it. And I, you know, over time, I think as technology changes, as customers get more enabled with AI tools about what vendors do, it wouldn't surprise me, you know, if you really are a 1099 rep, right? You're yeah. moving around and you're taking your CRM with you. And, you know, people aren't going to buy just because you have contacts, but you have the territory and account knowledge base because you've been doing it and owning your business. And I think when people do that, just naturally, they they do better, right? They take that responsibility. Yeah. And that's a really good point, Chris. One of the things that kind of came to mind and we talk about is, are we easy to buy from, right? It's not about getting somebody to listen to you because a lot of people, I don't know, I'm a firm believer in in the goodness of people, right? Like we're going to go ahead and listen and it'll be fine. And um, for me, I'm a bottom line person, right? So especially from a work perspective, I'm like, what, 25 words or less, go, right? Right. Um, In a nice way. And so understanding how that works, right? But also, it's not necessarily about like the, the conversation of the sale. I think really what you said was important. It's it's what happens afterwards, right? Do you want me just for my money or my logo? Like what happens after we say yes? So we want to be say we want to make it easy for our customers to say yes to us. But we also, because life is about relationships, right? So we want to be easy to buy from and we want to make it easy for people to stay. Right. So do we have that surround strategy for after our customers say yes to us? And to your point, a lot of the best salespeople I've ever worked with 100% live that motto. You may have a customer care team that can do some of that post-sale stuff. But again, at the end of the day, the best salespeople, they don't give up that relationship. They don't give up that. If you work for a big company, well, really, probably any company, but um, they're going to have changes every single year. Territory changes, account changes. I know reps, and I've done this myself personally. I still maintain that even though I lost the account, even though I lost that part of the territory, that part of the geography, funny thing happens over time. It all comes back around. And so if you can maintain some of those relationships, just those cordial contacts, when it comes back around, you go right where you left off. You didn't miss a beat. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so true. So you brought up the, uh, you were asking me about innovation. Um, I, I'll turn it back around to you. I like that topic because I do believe that as customers get more enabled, there's more tools that will give them more information about the vendors. You just can't keep doing the same thing year over year over year. What do you see from you know good quality reps that innovate and what is it that they do? Yeah, I think they don't wait, right? And so, and that requires a level of self-awareness, right? So to your point is, if what I've been doing for however many years, whether it's one, 10 or 20, and it doesn't work anymore, it's not resonating with my customers, then those are folks that they don't wait and they're humble enough and vulnerable enough. God bless Brene Brown. I'm a huge fan, right? To say, gosh, you know, what I'm doing isn't working anymore. 
So what do I need to be doing differently? And then they go and look and they utilize those resources, whether it's internal or they go to their network or, you know what, to your point of owning the business, they're going to ask their clients. Mm. They might go to their leadership, sales leadership team and say, Hey, you know what? Things just aren't resonating anymore with my, my group of clients that I have. Can I do a survey? Right. Help me out with this. So when we think about ownership, when we think about innovation, those are the things that come to mind, right? It's just start searching. You may not know what you're asking for, but the more you go and talk about it, the more clarity you're going to have. Yeah. And that's, you know, going back to some of those relationships, when you have a good, friendly customer that you can go back to and say, Hey, John, I want to run something by you. I'm working on some changing you know, a little bit of, you know, how we message our value. Can I just run it by you and see what you think? You know, just give me some open feedback. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, they're going to be happy to do it. 100%. And we have to listen to our customers. I think so many times as organizations, we go really inward and we say, this is our value proposition. This is what we do. And we never get outside our four walls, whether they're real or virtual. And then we go to market with something and then we're surprised as to why our customers aren't buying. Like, I don't understand. We built it. They didn't come. What happened? And so to your point is ask, go to market and ask, right? So there's the minimum viable product. And then Seth Godin's blog this morning talked about minimum, minimum available audience or minimum viable audience, right? And so we're not all going to be these big box organizations, right? Are you a boutique firm? If you are, then what is your minimum audience, right? And delight those people. And that that's a very different mindset, right? And to, to what we were talking about before is not not every organization has that because we're mushing for growth. Mm-hmm. And I get that. But what happens when we peel that layer back a little bit, right? There's a really good book. I think it's called um, like Small Giants. I'll get it for you and I'll send it to you. And it's it's a book about companies that deliberately chose to stay small. Hmm. versus grow. And so those are things that we need to, to, as leadership, really keep in mind. And then that cascades to who we have on our teams, right? So it's, it sounds a little touchy-feely, but it just it's really, what is our North Star? What do we want to be when we grow up? Who are we? Who do we serve? Who buys from us? Why do they buy from us? What value do they find, right? All of those questions. And then, then we can start m- matching up those things. Right. Well, you actually just, uh, I saw that you just presented on a webinar, um, I guess probably two days ago on the topic of uh, successful sales leaders and professionals. What, what, What were some of the topics that you were highlighting in that session? Before we jump into the topic, I wanted to let you know that we just launched a monthly drawing for one of our insulated high tech freedom tumblers. Now, I've been sending these out as a thank you gift to each of our guests, and the response has been great. You know, everyone has a full-size coffee cup, a Yeti, or whatever brand that they might use, but not everybody has the small tumbler that you can put your wine or beverage of choice in. And they're great for the deck, beach, camping, or just, you know, just keeping your drink warm or cold. Now, I'm not selling these, but I am excited about them. So we decided to offer these up to the loyal podcast listeners by doing a monthly drawing. So if you're interested, go to hightechfreedom.com forward slash mug, that's M-U-G, and you'll see a picture of the Tumblr and you can enter. We'll just collect your name, phone number, and email. And if you do win, we'll then follow up and ask for your mailing address so we know where to send it. If you don't win, your name stays in so you don't need to re-enter.
Yeah. So a lot of what we're talking about, right, is what do your top people do? We're not going to replicate people, right? We're, we're after unity, not uniformity. And that's the main goal. And so it really starts with, do we have a really, really strong and robust sales infrastructure? Do we have a job description? Do we Can we articulate our culture? Things of that nature. Do we have a hiring, uh, a hiring motion? Do we have a career path? Do we know why our customers buy? Things of that nature. And really diving into clarity and no ambiguity. What are KPIs? You know, some of the table stakes that as organizations, we don't always do very well. Um, so we talked a lot about that. We talked a lot about too, one of the things we you and I talked about and we talked about in the mo- webinar on Monday was a skills matrix mm-hmm. and organizations starting to hire more for skill versus role. And that's a very different shift. And being able to articulate those skills, identify those skills, teach those skills, measure those skills is a whole different world we're entering. Yeah. And so you're talking about because the skills might apply differently to one role then maybe an inside role versus an outside role, a certain vertical, maybe industry. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And so back in the day, it started with uh, the breakdown of an SDR, BDR. One is inbound when one is outbound. And those are different skill sets, right? And so as an organization, as a sales leader, as an HR function, sales enablement, L&D, executive leadership, are we truly able to identify what are the skills and articulate three layers deep? I always say, if you can't go three layers deep, you don't know what you're talking about, right? And that goes for all of us. And so I need a hunter. Great. What are the top three skills a hunter needs? Mm-hmm. How do you teach it? How do you measure it? How do you coach to it? Right? So those are the things that we're thinking about. And now in the day of everybody's digital, right? So there might you might actually have a digital sales team. And then you're going to have your field sellers that are still field. They're probably still going out. Right? But they're also engaged in digital sales motions. So video presence, mm-hmm. being able to write, being able to follow up, being able to, you know, do some of those motions that a true inside salesperson would do, like time blocking and saying, here's my hour a day for prospecting. Right. So being able to really identify those things, teach those things, train those things is, is really important. There was also an, an article that came out from McKinsey, the management consulting company that talked about the future of sales is, is hybrid. For that very reason, right? So there's not a there is a push to go back to the office. People don't want to. Where are we going to meet our customers? Right? Nine times out of ten, people are like, I don't want to go back to the office. I don't want to get ready. I'm going to look nice from the waist up, and I got pajama bottoms on and slippers. Right. right? So let's be super clear and just honest. So I think to your point is we talk, started talking about a skills matrix and really identifying what skills do we need on our team. What are they? How do we teach it? How do we train it? How do we coach it? How do we measure it? Who needs it? How does it benefit our customer? Right? We sometimes forget about that. Mm -hmm. What I think, you know, if we turn it back around to the sales professional and, you know, if you're looking for the next move, maybe you're starting to interview for a job. um, Mm -hmm. You know, these are all things you should be thinking about. You know, if you self-assess your own skill set, all right. Well, knowing how things are changing in the sales world, hey, and that's why you're listening to the podcast, hopefully. Um, Absolutely. But what are some of those things you need to start to work into your skill set base to uh, to excel? You said something else I want to go back to just for a moment. You talked about you know the metrics that you measure with these different types of positions or or sales reps. And I, if again, flipping it back to you, the sales rep, if you're interviewing for a job, 
it's a great thing to understand and ask because there's nothing wrong with metrics and measurement. In fact, I would argue that if you're interviewing for a job and they don't have really, if they're not <laughs> able to clarify what they measure and what's important to them, that's a red flag because it's going to be a very loosey-goosey type of sales organization and structure. And maybe you can go hang out for a while, but it's a, it's a, and somebody just asked me that question when I was interviewing somebody a while back. And I thought it was a great, great question because it really forced me to clarify and think about how to translate what I'm doing with my team to that person that was looking at the role. Yeah, that is a really great point. And as a sales professional, I, um, a friend of mine is an SVP of sales. And that is one of the questions she asks every person she interviews, what's your sales process and what skill are you working on? Mm. And as a sales professional, I think that's the other thing that makes people successful, right? It's just that continual learning environment. What books are you reading? What podcasts are you listening to? What books are you listening to? Right? Like what groups are you a part of? Do you kind of have your loose, your loose tribe of people that you can bounce ideas off of? Right? Do you have a coach? Right? Formal or informal? So that's a really good point. Yeah, I love it. Well, as we get close to um, wrapping it up, Dion, if you could go back to your younger sales self, what advice might you give? Maybe what career guidance might you give to the earlier Dion? Mm, I love that question. And I have a question. I, I asked the same question, like, what would you tell your younger self, right? And I would tell my younger self, the world needs what you have and don't be afraid to ask for what you want. doesn't mean you have to be mean, but just don't be afraid of it. So would you say, do you mean in terms of like having more confidence in your role or what do, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of Jocko, right? And so he wrote Extreme Ownership. And, and a lot of what he talks about is from a leadership and giving direction perspective, are you direct or do you flank? And I default to flanking, right? So I'm like, let's have this really great conversation. It'll be amazing. And I had to really learn to get more direct and say, hey, how can I help you implement this? Right. So I had to come up with ways to be very direct to ask for what I wanted. Do you want to meet, great network, coffee, whatever? Right. Um, from a work perspective. So that, that was really my lesson. Yeah. It's such an important skill because sometimes people just want people to cut right to the chase and be direct and simplify it, take away. I sometimes, I may be a little bit too direct. I've had to explain, it's like, look, you're never really going to have to overthink what I'm thinking because. I've either said it directly or it's just so freaking obvious. Right. You'll know. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Sure. And, and that's such a great point, Chris. Right. And so, so much of our communication now, there is research out there that talks about at, at what level of more written, uh, written communication should we be communicating at? And it's literally a fifth grade level and not because we can't understand it, but the fact that we're just all so busy. Mm hmm. Right and inundated. So that's a that's a really good point. Congratulations. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you, um, Dion. If somebody would like to reach out to you, have a conversation, what's uh, what is the best way to connect up? Yep, absolutely. Always LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn at Dion Major. My cell phone number is in there. You can reach out to me directly, and I'd love to have a conversation. And then also, you have a book. So check out your book, The Stepped Approach. What what real real quick? What's the book about? Yeah. So I basically took what I was have been doing for the last 16, 17 years and put it in book format. So everything that you need to kind of create your infrastructure, your sales infrastructure is found there. Awesome. Well, uh, Dion, thank you very much for your time today. It was a pleasure. Have a great afternoon. You too. Thank you so much, Chris, for having me. You're welcome. 
Thanks again for joining us today. To get more sales and real estate tips, you can subscribe to our newsletter at hightechfreedom.com. You can also join our private Facebook and LinkedIn group that is exclusively for sales professionals. If you found a nugget of good information in the podcast, please subscribe, give us a positive rating and write a review. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover in the future, please send us a note through our website at hightechfreedom.com. Until next week, make this your best week ever.